Good morning. Uh, if you are a children, you can head to Children's Church. If you're not, maybe say hello to somebody around you. Nick, you're kind of lonely, so you might have to get up and go somewhere. Not many on the front. That was really quick. You just I need to give you more conversation pieces. Hello, then you can go with a how are you, glad you're here. It's going to be awesome this morning. Here's the hug. Hope you like hugs. If you don't, I'm going to hug you anyway. You know, you can go wherever you want to with that. It doesn't have to be just short and sweet hello. I was quiet today. Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I filled it up. I'm just in the bowl today. I'm just getting stared at today. It's okay. It's all right. Man, good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Second uh, Corinthians 5. See kind of flip that way. Um, as you flip that way, I'm just going to pray um, just for a minute. Um, Father God, we need you. God, I need you. And I'm just praying that you just move in this place this morning, God, that you would just allow us to, to meet with you and to see you, God, this morning, that it wouldn't just be some time that we come in and we do the thing and we check off the list and we try to do church better, but that, God, this morning you would just um, settle in this place with your presence. That, God, we would not hear uh, what we want to hear or we would hear what you want us to hear. God, we know that for all of us, you knew before you ever um, laid the foundations of the world that this moment and this place, we would be in this room and you, you've prepared uh, a word for us. And God, we just thank you for that. And God, we, we know today that whatever happens, it's not because uh, we were really good listeners or we're smart enough to figure it out or some speaker was smart enough to, to explain it in a way we could get it. It's a blessing from heaven. God, that we can't even see you, we can't see your word without spiritual eyes today. That's why when Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, you say you're blessed, not you're smart. Because it's the Father in heaven who's revealed it to you. So Father, just reveal to us today. God, for those of us in the room that maybe don't know the Son, that you would reveal the Son to us today. And God, we would, we would be blessed from heaven to see him. And for those of us who maybe just see Jesus, but we don't know what to do with that today, that you would just bless us with the ability to follow in a, in a new way, in a greater way. That God, he wouldn't just be our fire escape today, that he would be our treasure that, God, he would be more than just the, the person who's going to rescue us from the, the least good opportunity today. That he's not the lesser of two evils, but he is, in fact, the, the very centerpiece of heaven. He's the treasure of heaven. And, God, we should treasure him. So, God, I'm just praying today that you would just allow us to be blessed in that way, that we could see Jesus and we believe that you can, and you will, and you want to. It's in your name today we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, good morning. So excited today about this word. Um, I love the topic we've been talking about. We started a series the past, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago now. It feels really short, but it's not, I guess. Uh, called Unchained. And we've been talking about forgiveness and, um, and just really... Um, the difficulty with forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. I know um, for a lot of us, even hearing it for four or five weeks now, it's still like, I just struggle with, I just struggle with forgiveness. And then maybe some of us that comes easier for than others, but the reality of it is forgiveness is not really an easy thing. And it's not a thing that that's really even normal for us. 
think in the, in the flesh we wouldn't even really know what forgiveness truly looked like if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus came and he gave us this model, this example of forgiveness as he has forgiven us and then he tells us to forgive in the way that we've been forgiven. And I think we hear that and we're like, that is so hard. It is so hard to forgive in the way that Jesus forgives. But in learning forgiveness and how to forgive others, we really learn how we've been forgiven. It's this, it's this amazing tool that the, the Father has given us. And, and we're going to continue talking about that today. But we're going to talk about uh, maybe a topic of forgiveness that we haven't brushed on the past few weeks. We've talked a lot about how to forgive others, right? Like how to forgive this person who's wronged us. But for some of us, the issue is not forgiving others, it's forgiving ourselves. And today in 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to talk about that and, and talk about what that looks like. So just praying for a blessing from heaven today that God would just reveal this to us. Second Corinthians is a letter written by a man named Paul to the church at Corinth. I think if you've noticed, there's kind of a theme in the New Testament. We have the Gospels, the narrative stories of Jesus' life, and then we have Acts, which is like church history, and then it steps into this series of letters to these different churches with Romans, and it goes through these letters, and these letters all uh, deal with how do we live out this Christian life. I think for so many of us, we have this excuse that we like to, to quote all the time, I've never been discipled. Well, if you've read Romans through the end, there's a, there's a giant tool there to help us be discipled. Maybe the church has dropped the ball or some person's dropped the ball, but Jesus set us up for this with the New Testament. He gave us these letters to the churches, and these letters to the churches teach us how to live and how to follow Christ, and that's what we see as we walk through here. And in 2 Corinthians, is the second letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth. Uh, he wrote at least two that we have, and who knows if you wrote any more. We don't have them if we did, but we've got two. <laughs> and um, the only church that gets two letters, so, you know, maybe we would have four or five by now. But um, they get two. Uh, and this letter, like the first, is how do, how do you live out this thing? How do you, how do you follow Christ? Um, there wouldn't be letters, by the way, to churches about how to follow Christ if we were good at following Christ, we're not, you're not, I'm not, we're not, um, that's why we have this, you've not got it all figured out, I don't have it all figured out, but praise God we will, <laughs> um, if we just keep digging, and uh, this letter was written to this church, and it deals with a couple different things, and we're going to be in five today, and five starts out talking about our future after death, so if you I want to talk about that later, maybe go read that, but we're going to talk about 16, um, kind of for the next few verses today. 16 starts out with, from now on, from now on. Now, we can't start there, because who in the world knows what he's talking about if we just go from now on, okay? Thank you, sir. I don't have any context to that, so from now on, from what? And all the context actually sits back about one verse. In verse 15, it says, And he, being Jesus, died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Here's the context of the beginning of 16. It says, Jesus died for everybody. Newsflash today, if you think you're in the select few, or you think you're one of maybe five people that Jesus died for. Jesus died for everybody. That, that's on the page. It says that right there. For he died for all. I can't 
get a smaller group out of all. All is all. All is everybody. When Jesus died, he died for every single person sins, every person on the planet uh, that would ever be. Jesus died for those sins. He took those sins on himself and he was crushed so that they had the opportunity to be healed. That's the amazing thing about forgiveness today. Jesus has already decided he would forgive everybody, but only some people ask. That's the next part of the thing, right? He died for all so that those who live. He died for everybody, but only some live. I want you to hear that today. He died for every single person that would ever breathe in a breath because all of us are sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Your neighbor's a sinner. The person you've never met, they're, they're all sinners. The person that's never been born yet, sinner. We're all sinners. We all have the same disease, and it manifests itself in different ways. That's the fruit. But the root is we're all sinners, and Jesus died for the sins of every single person. But only some live. Now, that, that's, a, that's a group, right? All and some are not the same thing. All is everybody, some is some. That's obviously less than all, or it would say he died for all so that all could live. He didn't die for all so all could live. He died for all so that those who live, which would be those of us who've given our life to Jesus. You're like, what's it talking about? Everybody breathes. Everybody has a heartbeat, at least for a little while, and that's true. But if you roll back to Ephesians, what's it say in chapter 2? That we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Even though I may have a heartbeat, I may have breath in my lungs, spiritually I'm dead and I'm separated from God and there's nothing I can do to get to God because my trespasses or my sins, they've, they've killed me, they've wiped me out. I've never been to the hospital and seen a dead person over there giving their self oxygen, have you? Not a possibility. Dead people can't do anything to make themselves live people. That's miraculous intervention. And for some of us who've given our life to Jesus, who God has blessed from heaven with the visibility, the sight to see Jesus, we've given our life to him and we follow him and we are now spiritually alive. He died for all so that smaller group, those who live, the church, the people who are churchward saved, the people who know Jesus, given their life to him, they can live spiritually. But, it says, we should no longer, not like we used to, live for ourselves. We're not our master. We're not in charge. We shouldn't live for ourselves, doing what we want, doing what feels good, being guided by just whatever the wind of the day is. We should no longer live for ourselves, but listen to this, but for the one who died... For them and was raised. Well, what's, what's the context of from now on? And the context of from now on is Jesus died for everybody. Only some of us in the room today have been blessed to see that. Only some of us on the planet today have been blessed from heaven to have eyes that are open to see Jesus, the Son of God. Now, what should we do with that blessing? That's what, he, that's what the whole context of this is, right? Like, every, he died for everybody. That, that's a blessing in itself. But for some of us today, God has opened our eyes to see that. That's what he says to Peter, right? And you're, you're not smart, but you're blessed because it's the Father in heaven that's revealed this to you. For some of us, our eyes have been opened to Christ. What are we going to do with that blessing? He says, here's the response to that blessing. Here's, here's the check today to if you've even received that blessing. You shouldn't live like everybody else. 
but you should live for the one who died and was raised. What's he saying? At the cross, when we come to know Jesus, at the empty tomb where he sets us free to live, we have direction and purpose. For all of us in the room today that that know Jesus, we're not just meandering around life trying to do what everybody else does. We have a purpose today in Christ who died for us and who has been raised. And our response to that, our only reasonable response to the grace, to that blessing, is to live in that purpose and that plan of God. That is the context of from now on. (laughs) That's amazing to me. Jesus has a plan for you today if Jesus rescued you today. And the plan, the sum total of the plan, what God has for you today is not just to be like everybody else, but to be different, to be set apart, to be called out for a purpose and a mission. He has something for you. Even in Ephesians 2, right? Just talking about Ephesians 2, it says we've been saved for these good works. That God has a plan that goes beyond waking up at 8 a.m. Nobody wakes up at 8, sorry. Waking up at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. for some of you, maybe 6 p.m. if you're an all-night worker, right? Like waking up and going to work and going through the motion and going to bed and rinse and repeat. He has a plan and a purpose. And that purpose is we should live for him. So from now on, We do not know anyone in a purely human way. Here's part of, not the sum total of the mission, but here's part of the mission. We don't know anybody in a purely human way. What does he mean by that? Well, he means by that we don't know people by how other people know people. Ever heard of a first impression? Opinion on somebody. Everybody has opinions on everybody, right? Like everybody has certain thoughts about certain people and you have some people you care about and some people you don't care about and some people that you like think are cool and some people that are not so cool and then you have some people that like you want to be around and some people you don't want to be around. Those are impressions or opinions about certain people and everybody has those. We form those, right? Like you see somebody in there kind of rough looking and, and they look like they could beat you up. Like you steer clear of those people. Like they're like all the time, like, you know, that's probably not the people you're hanging out with unless you also are kind of that kind of person. Or like if you, if you see somebody and they're, they're kind of um, looking like they, they want to be your friend and they're friendly people and they're, they're doing cool stuff, you're like, hey, I want to hang out with that person. Like if you have similar interest in, in some things, you gravitate towards those people. And that's true for all of life. I think the easiest place to see that is maybe high school because we find people that are like, like the nerds and the jocks and the goths and I don't, I don't know what the teams are anymore, but that's what it was when I was in school. Um, the band kids, right? Like they're all some collection of all those that seem to work together somehow because we have an instrument thing. So it doesn't matter what you wear, you're included in the band if you know how to hold an instrument, right? Like, um, but we have these groups and these, these things. And what that is, is that that's, that's that purely human way. That's the way that we're wired to interact with people, right? Like you gravitate towards people that, that look like you and act like you and dress like you. And, the, and the, that's just how it is. 
And we have opinions on those people based on what those people look like and act like and talk like. And everybody does it. You still do it. I still do it. You know how I know? Because if somebody, you're in a strange area of town that looks like you might get beat up, you, you lock the car door, right? Or like if somebody has a backpack and they look sketchy and they're walking into an event with you, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to hang out here. Like, we form those opinions on people. And he's saying here that, man, we're different. It's not like that in the church. It's not like that with Jesus' people. We don't clump with groups that look like us and act like us and talk like us. This, this cross actually is, is a unifying thing. It's a bonding agent. The cross is the thing that brings all those groups together because now we have something in common. I was making a joke about band a minute ago, and this wasn't like in the notes. You could check them later if you want to. But like, band is kind of that for high school, right? Because you can be a, a jock and be in band. I know that maybe that's not true at some schools, but in my school, we had football players that would come out in full pads and they'd play saxophone, walk around the field, and march with us. Normally, I wouldn't even talk to a football player because I was the nerd, right? Still am, if you know me. And they wouldn't talk to me, but, but that's how it was in band. It's fine. We had cheerleaders, swim team people. We had people that wore all black and had chains and probably wouldn't talk to those guys in school. But, but it was okay there because we had that thing in common. And see, in the church, we have a thing in common, and that thing in common is called the cross. And that's why young and old, rich and poor, like rough-looking, not rough-looking, that all works in, in the context of the church, or it should, because we have this unifying thing that is the cross. It's the grace of Jesus. We've all needed mercy, and Jesus has given us mercy. It's the strongest argument I have for like there shouldn't be any cliques in the church or there shouldn't be any groups in the church it should just be like the family of God in, in the house of God but when he's saying this it goes beyond like just the church like we obviously have issues in the church like every church has issues and and we like to like team up and, and those people they, they didn't do this thing that we like and whatever but it also goes outside of the church because we're not living for us anymore we're living for the one who died and rose again. And what, he, what he's saying here that we don't see people in a purely human way, so what he's saying is you don't have the luxury of opinions and groups anymore. See, the mission of God, I, I can sum it up like this. It's in Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. Amen. It's maybe not popular, but it's true. And it's, it's a mission that all of us have. He even addresses that later on in this chapter when he talks about a ministry of reconciliation. He says we've been reconciled so that we can reconcile. And you can't reconcile people that you are excluding because they don't look like you and act like you and, and, and they're scary and, you know, or they're rich or they're poor or they smell funny or they don't smell funny. Like you, you can't reconcile people that you've already counted out. And what he's saying here is if we're going to live for Jesus, some things about us have to change. We have to be rearranged. We have to be rewired because I'm still wired like old me because I lived in that for years and years and years and years and years. And he says you need, you need new parts, and one of the new parts you need is new eyes. You've got to see things not in, not in the fleshly way of they, they don't like me or I don't like them or they don't talk to me or I don't talk to them. You've got to see things with spiritual eyes that are I have to see people through the lens, through the eyes of, of God. And what does that mean? Well, what does the cross tell us that means? 
He died for who? We just read it. One, one verse back. He died for who? All. Everybody. He died for everybody. There's no groups there. He died for every group. He, he died for people who look like me and people who don't look like me and people who are scary and people who are not scary and people who are rich and people who are poor and people who are really, really poor. He, he died for people that smell good and people that smell bad and people that have great hygiene and people that have no hygiene. He died for all those people. Because on the cross, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to die for the jocks and the nerds and the band kids and the smart kids. He, he didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them, Right? He didn't say, Father, forgive the Romans, and Father, forgive the Jews, and Father, forgive the Pharisees, and Father, forgive the fishermen. He didn't do that. He said, Father, forgive them. He meant everybody. So what does that mean to look through the eyes of Jesus, the lens of Jesus, is everybody is loved. So if I'm going to see people in a spiritual way, not a purely human way, what it means is I have to love people. Now, in the flesh, I may hate people, right? People, I'll be honest, people annoy me. If you ever see me in large groups of people on my face, it's like, I just want to punch somebody. Like, why are you stopping in the middle of the path? Like, I hate to go. I love to go to the mall, but I hate to go at certain times of the year because, like, people will just stand. Like, there's a wall here. You could be there, but you're not. You're in the middle of the thing, and I'm trying to walk here, and you're in the middle of the thing, and you're just talking, and I'm standing here, and there shouldn't be traffic in the middle of the mall. That's my opinion about the mall. Like, that's where stores are for and walls are for and the food court's for, but the walkway should be clear, and I feel that way, and it annoys me. I don't know if you could tell. It just, it gets me. It gets me. It just, it does. It annoys me. And in the flesh, like, I want to be like, get out of my way. Just move your dang baby over there and have a conversation over there. Like, that's me. But I can't be in the flesh. Like, people honk at me on the road. Oh, I'll, <laughs> whew. Slam on my brakes and try to make you get caught at the next red light. That's what I do. Because the the flesh in me, like, I just don't like large groups of people. But I can't be that. I've not been called to not like people. I can I can love people in the spirit, even if like normal me, the the natural born me doesn't like people. I can love people because I'm not in the flesh, I'm in the spirit. Do you get where I'm going with this? Or like, I just, I can't hang out with people like that because whatever reason, well, in the flesh, maybe that's true. But in the spirit, which is what you should be if you know Jesus, like there, there is no obstacle there. I'm not outgoing. Well, that's cool. That's your flesh. But you're not in the flesh if you know Jesus. You're, you're in the spirit. And the spirit will allow me to overcome the flesh because he who's in me is greater than every other part, Right? So I can't be held back by me, but I also have to see people the way that Jesus sees people. And he says, they're loved. I love them, so you got to love them. You're going to put on my eyeballs. That's what I see. I, I love those people. And, and those people are valuable to me. We, we have, like, throwaway people that we just don't care about. And Jesus is like, but I care about all the people. If you're going to see people how I see people, you got you got to care about all the people. All the people are valuable, and all the people are loved, and all the people are, are worth something to me. See, the reality is you will never see a person that Jesus doesn't love or value that Jesus says is not worth anything. You'll never see that. You will never see that. I need you, at least like some of you, right? Like, like that's just true. 
And it doesn't matter how you feel about that person because how Jesus feels about that person should be greater than how you feel about that person. Amen. Amen. The person that just annoys you to death, that's in the flesh. And you can't be that way because then you're wrong because you're in the spirit. And Jesus said, you got, you got to love that person because you will never look in the eyes of somebody that Jesus doesn't love and care for, that Jesus doesn't see as valuable. You'll, you'll never find one. Because when Jesus died, he died for who? All. Every, everybody. Everybody. Now, only some people are alive. Only some people are bound to have to see people the way Jesus sees people. See, if I'm, if I'm not saved, if I don't know Jesus, I can see people however I want to because I'm in the flesh and I can, I can try to masquerade and, and do all the things. But, man, I just the reality of it is I'm not in the Spirit and I don't have the power of the Spirit and I can't see with the eyes of the Spirit. But for those of us today that know Jesus, he says you can't see people how you used to see people. Because you don't know anybody else. You don't know anybody in a purely human way anymore. You see him in the spirit, how, how I would see those people. And, and he says, even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, it just reminds us here that, that we also used to be like those people. We used to be lost, and we used to be away, and we used to be these sheep that have gone astray. That used to be us. We used to be people that, that had rejected God and decided to live our own way, and then Jesus decided to, to show up in our life and to open our eyes. He, he blessed us from heaven. The Father blessed us and opened our eyes to who the Son is, and now we're different. But really, if it wasn't for that, we would be exactly where they are, doing the same thing that they are, like, or maybe even worse. I need you to hear that today. Like, like the only thing that separates you from anybody else on the planet is, is the blessing of God that he allowed you to see him. Like, the only thing that, that separates you from the, the prostitute and the drug dealer and the drug addict and the homeless, like, the only thing is just God's blessed you. You'd be in the same place. You're, you still could be, right? Like the only thing that's different about us is not we worked really hard and we, we tried to be more moral. The only thing that's different about us is just he opened our eyes. Because if it wasn't for God, we would see Jesus in a purely human way. What do you mean by that? I mean, it's possible to see Jesus but to see him wrong. There's a lot of people that see Jesus and see him wrong. For some people, all Jesus is is a crazy guy or some made-up thing, Right? Like, I don't know how you would deny the fact that Jesus existed because there's more evidence that Jesus existed than you, than you would even need. Like, Jesus was a person. So I don't know how you would deny he wasn't a person. I can get maybe how you couldn't get on board with the God thing, but he did live. And he did get crucified, and they did bury him. And we at least can get there historically. Some people, however, just say, yeah, it wasn't a thing. And that's Okay. Until God blesses them and opens their eyes, which is what we should be praying for, they're, they're allowed to believe that. Some people think Jesus was a crazy guy who just thought he was the son of God, who maybe bumped his head one day early on, right, and just messed him up, and he, he thought he was the son of God. Now, if you start making that claim, I'm going to think that somebody dropped you on yours, and, and, and you know, so it's reasonable. And they're allowed to think that because... They haven't been blessed from God to see Jesus. And, and the prayer at that point in time is just God open their eyes because you can't argue them into heaven. It's not your job to argue them into heaven. You can't theologically know enough to get somebody that God does not bless with spiritual eyes to see Jesus, the Son of God. You can't do it. It's not your words and your power and your ability. It's from the Father. Jesus is clear about that. And they're allowed to think whatever they want to think. And you just pray. 
Some people think he was he's a good moral man. There's other religions, actually, that acknowledge the fact that Jesus was a prophet and he was here. They just don't get all the details, and they're allowed to think that because God hasn't blessed them with those eyes, and we just pray they do. God's showing up to people and, and rescuing people because we won't do it. I mean, it doesn't cause an argument. I don't need to argue with anybody because I can't argue somebody into heaven. It should cause me to pray. And there's some people that, that think Jesus was, was a great teacher, which he was. The Bible's clear about that. Nobody had ever taught like Jesus had taught. But all those things are seeing Jesus, but seeing Jesus wrong. If all you think Jesus is was a great moral man, you can't be saved because you don't see Jesus. If all you think Jesus is was a great teacher, you can't be saved because you don't see Jesus. He is the Son of God that left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life in our place, and at the end of his life, he chose to die on a cross wearing our crown, our curse, and he was killed so that we could live. And in that moment when he was killed and when he prayed, Father, forgive them, everyone was given the ability to be forgiven. And it's only spiritual eyes, it's only a blessing from heaven that would allow you to see that. And the only difference in you and anybody else, any other opinion, is just God showed you something he hasn't showed them yet. It's not because you're good, it's not because you came to church, it's not because you're smart, it's not because you figured it out, it's because God blessed you with eyes to see. And it says we used to be just like them. Used to be just like them. And see, that changes things for us, or it should, because it's hard to look down on people when it's not you who got you where you are. And I think that's what Paul was doing here. He said, we don't see him in a purely human way anymore. And then he says 17, and this is, some of you are like, how are we get into forgiveness? This is the verse. He says, therefore, because of this, because Jesus has died to save us and we should live for him, and in part of living for him is seeing him with different eyes, but seeing others with Jesus' eyes. Therefore, because of this, I just want to tell you today, Paul, there is a new creation. There's a new creation. What's he saying here? He's saying that in Christ we are a new creation. This is such an important verse. And we've, we've touched on it before, but we've never dug the depths of it. And I don't think we'll get all the way there today, but if God would bless us with Spiritual eyes, maybe he'll just take another scoop out. That doesn't mean that we're just like a refurbished version of our old self. I think some of us think we come down here and we pray that prayer and Jesus comes by and just slaps a new coat of paint on us. That on the outside we are a little different, but on the inside we're still full of the same stuff. And I just want to 
say that is not the image that Paul gives us when he says there is a new creation. He doesn't say there's an upgraded creation or there's a refurbished creation or there's a, you know, like a little better than used to be creation. He says that you're in fact a new creation. And as we've touched on that before, we've said that 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 does mean we don't like live the same way we used to live. We're talking about new eyes and, and seeing people a new way that, that, that Christ has rewired us and, and we don't just live for ourselves anymore, right? Verse 15, we don't just do what feels good anymore. We're not driven by the wind anymore. That's true. And it, it means for a lot of us, we don't go the same places we used to go. We don't participate in the same things we used to participate. Our old habits are not our same habits because that's the old us. Like, it does mean that. It means that there's a change in us when Jesus moves into us. If there's no change, then there's probably been no move-in. But see, all of those things can also happen with just a remodel, right? Like, that's, that's a remodel, I don't go where I used to go, right? Jesus ripped the old floors out and he put the new floors in, right? I don't act the way I used to act. He repainted me. Like, all that can be a remodel, but that's not what he's talking about. He says that we are a, a new creation and he even announces, right? Like, not necessarily that we are, but there is a new creation. See, we were created in the flesh. And what he's saying here is that, that we're not that anymore. We are, in fact, a new kind of creation. That we're, we're a different thing than we used to be. You're not an upgrade from what you used to be. You're a different thing than what you used to be. It means that we, we have left the old thing and we have stepped into a new thing. That there's been a, a transfer, right? Like, like. The house has not been upgraded, right? The house is completely different. We have relocated. Jesus didn't just repaint old us. He made a brand new us, and we just moved residence. This used to be flesh me, and now flesh me is gone, and he has made a new creation, spiritual me, alive in God me, and I have moved residence, and I can't hop back and forth. This is not my summer home or my weekend home. This is a gone. And now I'm completely new. I don't go the places I used to go because that's what I did when I lived there. I don't do the things I used to do because that's what I did when I lived there. But it's greater than that. He says, you are completely new. This is gone. The, the old me, flesh me, like Jesus moved my residence and then he gasolined that house and threw a match on it. So it's not an ability or an option to go back here if I know Jesus. It's gone. It's destroyed. It's burnt to the ground. But I love what went with it. Because not only has my old habits and my old ways and my old places, not only did they get burnt to the ground, but so did my old history and my old decisions and my old memories of, of what I used to. Like, that's gone. Because we are a new creation, not a refurb. Jesus is more than a house flipper today. 
is what Paul's saying. And we're like, how does that tie to forgiveness? Well, because the old me is gone. It's the ash heap. And all the things that I used to do and say and be and, and go, like, they're burnt to the ground. And some of us, we, we get saved and we come to know Jesus. And for some reason, what we do is we, we want to stand here and mourn over the old creation. We've, we've chained ourselves to what we used to be and what we used to do. And we just stand here by this smoking heap and we, we, we allow this to be used against us. And Jesus is trying to separate us from that into something new. See, when he burnt the house down, he burnt my sin and my shame and my guilt. He, he burnt them down with it. And I'm not chained to old me anymore because old me is burnt to the ground. Old sin, burnt to the ground. Old shame, burnt to the ground. Old guilt, burnt to the ground. And it's part of my story. Like, I can move and tell people what I, what I used to be. But see, now it's a weapon of God's glory, not an instrument of shame. To beat me up and... Burn me down. See, we want to attach ourselves to this because we feel like we deserve this, right? That's, that's shame. We feel guilt because how we lived and what we did. And what we do with that is, is we, we feel like we deserve to just live under the weight of that. So we keep, uh, man, I, I don't know if God can ever use me because I used to do that. Man, I don't know if God can ever do anything with me because I used to do, I used to be this, I used to do that, I used to, man, if you, if you knew my story, you wouldn't even want me around. I know maybe for all of us, this isn't, reality today but for some of us it really is and what Jesus is saying to us in this, in this moment is you got permission to leave that house you're new you aren't those old decisions anymore and it doesn't define you. You aren't those old ways anymore. And that doesn't define you. You're not who you used to be. The old you's gone. You're a, you're a new kind of creation today. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is, I've forgiven you and I give you permission to forgive you as well. What's he say right after that? Because he, he, knows, he knows we won't get it. He says, the old things have passed away. That, that's the culturally appropriate term for died. 
not it went over there. Old you is dead. You, you don't have to live there anymore. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, look, new things have come. I love that. Old things have passed away. And what's he immediately say to us? Look. Let's, let's get our God eyes on. Let's, let's get our, the way Jesus sees things, vision on. Look. Oh, old things are gone. Do you see it? Old, old, old you, it's gone. Do you see it? That, that, that thing that you, you, you feel like you have to gravitate back to that defines you, it's gone. Do you see it? Look, new things are here. See, because what, what ends up happening when we, when we live our life kind of, I know I'm not going to hell, but I feel like I'm, I'm, i got to huddle up right here. As we become immobilized, and we can't really live for God because every time he would pull us this way, we pull ourselves back to our sin and our shame. We pull ourselves back to our wounds. And he's like, I've taken care of your wounds. But God, anybody feel me today? Like anybody been here today? Anybody, anybody do this today? Like, like you, you, you start walking over here and you're like, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm gonna come. And then somebody pops up in your ear and they're like, but do you remember? That's somebody. He, he can be any kind of person, right? He can be the enemy. A lot of times the enemy is, hey, I just want you to remember this is what you did before you come to know Jesus. Or maybe even after you come to know Jesus. This is the life you're living in. This is what you do. This is who you are. And we say, you're right. I'll just stay right here. Old you, it can be family. People that have known you the longest, right? Like they, they can, you act like you're going to church and you got it all together now. Yeah, right. I know you. I know what you've done. Yeah, you're right. I'll just stay right here. We know a lot of times the, the biggest voice that we hear in those moments is us. Yeah, right. God's going to use you. We know. We know who you are. Oh, yeah, God's going to do something through you. Yeah, right, brother. We, we know what you've done. We know who you are. We know where you live. And what it does is it immobilizes us. And we, we live in this pattern of, like, I'm going to walk out of shame and we'll walk back into shame. I'm going to walk out of sin and we'll walk back into sin because my voice is in me and around me telling me this is all I will ever be. This is all I can ever be. And this is what he's saying. No, that is not true. You don't have to hear that voice anymore. No matter who it comes from, you don't have to listen to that anymore. Look, new things have come. You are completely new in Christ Jesus. New things have come. You don't have to be stuck there and chained there anymore. If you're ever going to live apart from there, you got to realize you're new. 
You used to only have the potential for sin and shame and guilt, but God has made you new. you got a new kind of DNA flowing through your veins today, and it's called the Spirit. And you don't have to live there anymore. You can come over here, and you can stand firmly, and I am a new creation, and I can be different. And I may fall back, but I don't have to stay back because God has given me permission today to be different. And he says, look, there's so much power in that. Look, look, you got to see things, not from your perspective, but from the eyes of Jesus today. We started with, you'll never look in the eyes of someone Jesus doesn't love and who isn't valuable and who isn't worth something. And I just want us to know today, that's true about you. It's so easy, right? For I know Jesus loves all those people. But man, isn't that hard since you know you to flip that around sometimes and say, I know Jesus loves me. It's so easy sometimes to say, I know they're valuable. But man, isn't it hard sometimes to flip that around and say, I know I am valuable. Sometimes it's really easy to look at those people over there and say, hey, I know they're worth something. But it's really hard sometimes for some of us to say, I know I'm worth something. So he plants this firmly in the the middle of five. After he's got us all hyped up on we are forgiven. And we should live for him. And we should see people the way Jesus sees people. Do you see what he's painting here for us? Oh, you got to see people the way Jesus sees people. Remember, you used to be just like those people. But you're different. You're different now. You're different. You're you're new. Do you you see it yet? You're, you're, You're new you're forgiven. You're loved. You're valuable. You're worth something. You're new. Look. New, new things are here. New opportunity is here. New freedom is here. You can, you can walk in a different way. You're not chained to that anymore because Jesus has set you free. Last week, we kind of ended with the thought what Jesus has done for you is greater than what anybody could ever do to you. But I just want you to know today the truth is still there for you. What Jesus has done for you is greater than what you could ever do to you. And we got to just not only believe the cross today for other people, we got to believe the cross today for us. I know that for those of us that He died for and we see Him. It's really easy to say, I believe that I'm saved. And I believe that when something happens to me, I'll, I'll be in heaven. But I, I just want you to know today, that's, that's not only true for eternity. You're not just forgiven so you don't have to be in the fire today. You're forgiven from what you've done today. You're forgiven from what you've done yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. But it goes every direction. See, you're forgiven for what you're going to do tomorrow. 
And you're forgiven for what you're going to do the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day because when Jesus died, he died for everybody and that means you. And spiritually, for a lot of us maybe in the room today, we've been blessed and we know that we are alive. But man, until we see that we're a new kind of thing, wouldn't it be a shame if we were spiritually alive but we never really lived? We spiritually, we got a relationship with God. We have access to heaven, but we never really used it. Spiritually, we've been forgiven and free, but we've never really acknowledged it or accepted it. We're living in freedom today, and that means freedom, not partial freedom or kind of freedom. Jesus has set us free on the cross, and he means for us today to walk in freedom, to walk with our head held high and to say, you know what, I may be a mess, but God loves me. I don't have anything together, but he says I'm valuable today. I I screw up and I mess up every single day, but I'm forgiven in every single mess up because what God has done for me is greater than anything I could ever do to myself. I just want the devil to hear today. I know exactly who I am, but so does he. And he said over me, forgiven. I know exactly what I've done, and so does he. And he still said on the cross, Father, forgive him. So I'm not standing in what the enemy says today or what my family says today or even what I say today. I'm listening to who he says that I am today. And he says I am loved, and he says I am forgiven. He says I don't have to be chained to that anymore, that I can walk in freedom. I don't have to keep towing back to sin because somebody says this is who you are. This is what defines you. Sin does not define me, and shame does not define me. My guilt does not define me. The Son of God defines me. And he says, look at this. New things have come. Look at this. You're new today. Look at this. You're free today. Look at this. You're loved today. And you don't have to even believe it today. But I'm going to keep singing it over you every single day because I know it. And I'm going to keep saying it today till you know it. You are loved. And you are valuable. You are worth something today, not because some preacher said it, but because the Son of God left heaven to say it. He lived his whole life to say it, and he died on your cross to say it. You don't have to be beaten today, and you don't have to beat yourself down today. The Son of God was beaten today so that you could live in love and forgiveness and grace. And he's saying today, over us what are you waiting for look new things have come look at this you're new today let's pray